reasons why Christianity today is so weak is because many Christians base their faith in experience, emotions, and feelings, and not in thought and reason and intellect. Now, I'm not saying that the emotions and the experience and feelings are a bad thing. I'm not saying they're bad, they're good. But we do need to apply reason, thought, and intellect as well. We need to engage in theology, which is the study of God. We need to engage in Christology, which is the study of Christ and the nature of Christ. These things are all extremely important. We must have emotion and feelings and, and, and that sort of stuff. That comes in because we're made up like that. But we must imperatively apply thought, reason, and intellect into our faith. And saying that, let's just bow our heads in prayer, shall we, and come before God in prayer. Father in heaven, we bow before you and we thank you, Lord, that you've given us our minds. We thank you that we do not have to leave our minds at the door and come into church, Lord, but we can bring our minds with us and listen and weigh out and think things through. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, that you're concerned that believers will truly be the men and the women you want us to be in this world. And we pray that today, by your grace and by your mercy, you might speak to us through your word. Thank you again for the privilege, Lord, that I have of preaching today. I pray, oh God, that you might come upon me by your spirit and help me because I am so frail, Lord. I need you to come. Pray for Kim as she signs, Lord, that she needs your strength. The same Holy Spirit, oh God, I pray for us. I pray he may dwell amongst the hearers as well. So both hearer and speaker, Lord, will be filled with your spirit today. And Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've entitled this message um, this morning, New Life. You know, most, most doctors and uh, nurses who work in the maternity wards of the hospitals often say that the reason why they enjoy it is because they are involved in bringing new life into the world. And they enjoy being a part of that process of seeing children being born into families. You know, the most happiest days of mine and Kim's life is when our three children came into the world. You couldn't wipe a smile off our faces on that day. I was just glad that I didn't have any labour pains. It was amazing, you know, going through that time. But that was a great joy that we had. Now, the Bible says this, that we may live a new life. 
the Bible says that we too may live a new life. Now, if you remember Jesus speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you will remember that Jesus said this, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. This person who will see God's kingdom has to be a person who is born again, has to have new But the problem that we find in today's Christianity is a very serious one. The problem that we have over the past few decades is this. The problem with modern day Christians is that the new life looks remarkably like the old life. Let me say that again. The problem that we have with modern day Christianity, 21st century Christians, this is the problem. The old and new life looks remarkably the same as the old life, if not worse. It's like a a woman saying to the plastic surgeon, you know, I don't like my nose. I, I, I like it a bit bigger, well, maybe smaller. I don't like my cheekbones. I like them higher. I don't like my lips. I want them like Mick Jagger's. I, I, I don't like my teeth. I want them straight and small and white. And so she goes under the surgeon uh, for 15 hours. And he operates on her. And, 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 and four weeks down the line, they bandage her face. And, and, and four weeks afterwards, you know, she comes back and, and they take the bandages off and gives her a mirror. And she looks worse than she did before. You, you think I'm joking, right? You know, the modern day Christianity is like that. The modern day Christian have a new life. But often this new life, if not looks the same as the old life, it's possibly looking far worse. Now Paul says this in Romans 6 verse 1. He says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Now if you ask that question, To the modern day Christian, Paul's fear was happening, even in his day. Paul's fear in preaching faithfully God's grace. This is God's faithful message. And Jim mentioned it this morning. That where grace grace comes in, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose transgressions the Lord will not count against him. What a wonderful message. And you can fail a thousand times a day. I'm telling you this. This is the gospel. You can fail a thousand times a day. And every time you come back to the Lord, he will forgive you. That is the message. And so Paul turns around and says these wonderful words. Their law was brought in so that this trespass might increase. But where sin increased... 
grace increased all the more. Where sin abound, grace did more abound. That's the message of the gospel. So hear what the Christian says. Well, if that's the case, I can carry on sinning, can't I? I can um, sin and sin and sin and sin and sin until I've got a belly full of sin. And then when I'm done sinning, I just go back to God. And he will have to forgive me. Well, four things that are true about a born-again Christian. If you want a new life, then there's four things that are true and must be true. The first thing is this. Four headings. The first one here. A Christian is dead. Hold on, pastor. You have lost me straight away. What do you mean a Christian is dead? I was told that when I became a born again Christian, I was alive. I was told that I'm heading to eternal life. What do you mean that I'm dead? You know, in many universities, hospitals, they have a floor or a room. And in those rooms, or in this particular floor, they keep cadavers. These are people who have given their bodies over to medical research. They have signed a paper or a document and they say, when I die, you can take my body and you can have the young doctors practice on my body. These people have said, you see my body, I've done with it. My body doesn't give me any more pleasure. My body can't respond to any activity. My body cannot afford me any joy. I'm dead. I don't need my body anymore. So you can have it and you can use it and do what you want with it because I am dead. Now, the Christian who has new life has said the same thing. The Christian who has new life, by no means... We are those who have died to sin. A Christian is someone who is dead to sin. What it means is that I used to be alive to sin. I used to take all my pleasure in sin. I used to turn around and, and, and enjoy sin. But now i become a born-again Christian. Now i become someone who's alive to God. I have died. That's what it means. I have died to sin. I'm dead. Paul takes it up a little bit more. He says this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus was baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. The baptism here, Paul is not talking about the baptism that that Jesus spoke about in Matthew's gospel. No. He's speaking about a baptism that the Holy Spirit does by joining you 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the baptism he is speaking about. Okay, I'm glad you agree with me now. <laughs> He's speaking about a baptism, not the baptism we have here. Not speaking about that kind of baptism. He's speaking about a baptism that joins you to Jesus Christ. Listen to Jesus in um, Luke 12, verse 50. Jesus is speaking. He says this. But I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it is completed. He's not speaking about John's baptism. He's not speaking about the baptism that he's going to send the disciples to go and do. No, he's speaking about the baptism of going to the cross. That's the baptism he's speaking about. And once he's gone to the cross, he will enter into the grave. And he says in his word, I have a baptism to undergo. I'm going to go to the cross and then I'm going to be buried in a tomb. I have a baptism to undergo. And how distressed I am until it takes place. And then Paul comes in and he says that we or you have been baptized with Jesus Christ. You have been buried. You have died on the cross with him and you have been buried with him. You know, it seems to me that um, when you think about dead things, Dead things should be buried. Now, I'm not a taxidermist. Um, Some of you may wonder, well, what does a taxidermist do? Well, a taxidermist actually finds animals that are dead. Maybe a badger might be on the floor outside a car, or, or maybe he found a bird in the forest, or a squirrel that is dead. could be any size animal. And what a taxidermist do is that he gets that dead animal and he cuts it down the middle. And he takes the insides out of this animal and he puts chemicals and stuff inside. Then he stitches up the animal and then he paints the colours that this animal should be. It was a, a black raven, he paints new black colours on it. It was a grey or red squirrel. He paints the, the red and the, and the grey on this squirrel. And then once he's done that, he takes this dead animal and he puts it behind a glass cabinet on display. I don't know about you, but there's something wrong about that. There's something wrong about displaying something dead in your house. That's just me personally. I mean, you might have a few dead things flying around in your house, in your car. I'm not saying to get rid of them, but it seems to me that there's something wrong about that because dead things should be buried. But you know something? So many Christians do that every single day. Go into the Christian a Christian's Facebook account. I don't know, I don't have a Facebook account, so I don't know what this is all about, but go into a Christian Facebook account, and I want to tell you something. A Christian, the old dead life is on display. Nothing's changed. They said they're a born-again Christian. There's a marker down. It was on that day, 1992, 19. 
I don't know, 2005, I became a Christian. 2018, I came my life to Christ. And there's a marker. And when you open up their Facebook and look at their lives, you look and their old life is on display. They're still speaking the same way. They're still dressing the same way. They're still acting the same way. And there's nothing changed. It seems to me that the dead life that should be buried is on display. My dear friends, this ought not to be. The reason this ought not to be is because the old life, the old man or the old woman was in Adam. When Adam sinned, he passed all of his sin, all of his wickedness, he passed down to you and to me. But something has happened When you got born again, when you become a Christian, something happened. What took place? I'll tell you what took place. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says this. For we know that our old self, the old man, the old woman that was in Adam, that had the sin that was inherited from him, that had the wickedness that was inherited from him. The old man, the old woman was taken and was put on the cross with Jesus Christ, was crucified with him. Paul says again, speaking about himself, when he said, I have been crucified with Christ. My old man, was nailed on that cross. Let's move on. Because not not only, if you have a new life, the first thing about a new life is that you have to be dead to sin. The second thing is this. A Christian is someone who's raised. In order to have a new life, not only do you need to see yourself as dead to sin, but also raised. Look at this verse here in Romans. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now I want you to understand this. That when Jesus was raised from the dead, there was some serious power that was used to raise him from the dead. Look what Paul um, says here about this. He says it again in Ephesians. And this incomparable great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realm. When Jesus died on the cross and was in the tomb, God exerted incomparable, great, mighty power to raise Jesus from the dead. And what Paul is saying is that power is at work in you and in me. Now, a Christian is a person who looks and understands that they can't do nothing to have a new life. They can do nothing to 
break the power of sin. They realize that. You know, many um, men and women, they go to the AA or the CA or the NA or the GA. And they go to these places because they've got an addictive habit. Maybe gambling or drugs or narcotics. They've got an addictive And they go to these places because they want to sort out their addiction. And they, some of them get a breakthrough. Some of them um, have months and years of being freed from their addiction. But even though they're free from their addiction, they still have a problem with lying and swearing and filthy language and pornography. They still have a problem with other things. Oh yes, they dealt with the drink. They're not drinking anymore. But they've got 50 other things in their lives that are wrong and needs to be dealt with. And the Christian is the same. The Christian may say, oh, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to try this and be a bit of a better person. But they lack the strength and they lack the power to break the sin that is on hold of them. They lack it. And so Paul speaks of this incomparable great power. That great mighty, what is it doing? I'm telling you now, that great power is at work in you. But you may say to me this morning, well, what is that power doing? What has it done? That leads me on to my third point. A Christian who has a new life is freed. This, in Romans, Paul speaks in chapter chapter 6, verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, most people don't like talking about slaves or slavery. People Even the Bible translators don't like using the word slaves, so they change it in some Bibles to servants or something else. They don't like using the word slaves, but Paul makes no bones about using this word. He speaks about being a slave. Now, when you think about slave or slavery, we automatically think about about those poor Africans being Dragged from their homes, completely naked, and having chains around their necks, and, and chains around their hands, and chains around their feet. When we think about slaves, we think about them automatically. Or we might think about them on the bottom of the ship, rowing, and, and chained to the oars. This picture of slaves is not a good one. It's a horrible one. We know that. We don't like talking about it, or like thinking about it, but it's true. That is what slaves suffered. And the only way for a slave who are caught from Africa, he's boarded on a ship there in, 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 in a slave ship, and he looks around and he sees that he's going to be given over as a slave. Some of them would rather jump off the ship into the water and die. But they realize that if they are dead, they no longer will be rowing that ship. 
They realise that if they're dead, they won't be having chains around their necks and and around their wrists. They realise that if they just jump and die, that is far better for them than be a slave over in America. Well, what Paul is saying is this. The power of God, that incredible, mighty, incomparable power. Do you know what he's done? It has taken you and it has placed you on the cross. And that power has placed nails into your hands and placed nails into your feet. That power has taken you and put you on the cross so that you might die to sin. You see that black slave over there? He'd rather jump off the boat because he knows that if he dies, he'll be free from slavery. Well, that's exactly what Paul was thinking about. When a slave dies, he is free. And because we are slaves to sin, a Christian needs to be set free. A Christian needs to be changed, broken off. A Christian needs to be liberated. Well, how can he be liberated? I tell you how. The Spirit of God applies that power and that strength to take you and to nail you with Christ on the cross so that the old man will die. And once the old man is dead, then you're set free. Look at that verse there. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, you know, Christianity, people talk about Christianity and they speak about it with the emotions and the feelings. And they say, oh, you know, I feel so good. I, when, I, when I got saved, I feel so great. That is not a problem. But do they know what was happening? Do they know that the Spirit of God is taking them and nailed them to the cross so that they are dead to sin and alive to God? Do they know that? And so Paul says, as I mentioned earlier, I have been crucified. I have died. The power of God has taken hold of my sinful nature and nailed me to the cross. And so now I am free from sin. Praise be to God. I am free from sin. I do not have to sin any longer. I have been set free. My old man has been crucified and has died. I am now free from sin. But the fourth thing, in order for you to have a new life, not only do you have to be dead to sin, not only do you have to be raised into your new life, not only are you freed by the death, by you dying and being nailed and being freed from sin, the old man is on that cross. Not only that, but the fourth and final thing is this. You are a Christian is alive to God. I started with saying that a Christian is dead. And now I'm ending with saying that a Christian is alive. The Christian is dead to sin. But he's alive to God. And it says in these wonderful words. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him.
You know, relationships are very strange, aren't they? Boy meets girl. They can't stop talking to one another on the phone. Half the night, they're ringing one another, texting one another, I love you, I love you, no, I love you too. Kiss, 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 kiss back. It goes on and on and on for ages. And then they get married. And once they get married, don't let me put you off of marriage, by the way. Once they get married, then the complaints come in. They start living together. You know, she snores in bed. Have you smelled his feet? I didn't know a feet can stink so badly. You know, he talks in his sleep. Can't get, he's always yapping in his bed. Do you know that she can't stop complaining? And you know, once you get married and you begin to live with one another, all areas of your life is open to each other. And because you love your wife, and because you love your husband, you accept that she snores in her sleep. I'm not pointing to my wife if she doesn't snore in her sleep. I snore in my sleep. She hates it, but I snore in my sleep. I'll point over here, Kim. You um, accept that your partner's feet smell. You accept that there are insecurity. You accept these things. And the reason why you accept these things because you're living together. And because you're living together, you accept these things because you love one another. Now, look what the Bible says. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. What he's saying is that every area of your life should be opened to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no area that should be barred. There's no room that you should say, you can't go in here, Jesus. This room is private. My, 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 my home life, you can come in. But you can't come into my work. Because my work life is private to you. It's off limits to you. You can't say, oh, my relationship is actually barred. You can't go there, Lord. But you can come to church with me on a Sunday morning. No, 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 no. If you are born again, then all areas is opened to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what having a new life looks like. And the person who has been crucified with Christ, has died with Christ, is raised with Christ, is now alive to God. Nothing is out of bounds to live with him because he now is a part of your life and because he's a part of your life because you're living with him because you're born again there's certain things you cannot and will not do because you're born again because he's living in your life he is every area in your leisure in your work at home in church when you're walking down the street or driving your car he is in your life 24 hours a day. There's some things that you just cannot do because you're alive. I was um, listening to a, a document or a program about Queen Elizabeth, our queen, in this um, program on Netflix called The Crown. Some of you may have seen it. But you know, Queen Elizabeth, according to that program, she had problems with her husband Prince Philip in the early part of their marriage apparently 
There could have been possible unfaithfulness. And so Queen Elizabeth was speaking to her husband, Prince Philip. And she said to him, there's other options that are open to other couples, but not open to us. And he said, what do you mean? There's options open to other couples, but are not open to us. What do you mean? And she said, divorce. He said, why can't we be divorced? She said, you can't be divorced because of who we are. That's what she said. She's right. Because she's queen of this country, she cannot be divorced because of her position. Likewise, because we are Christians, we need to behave as born again, new life Christians because of who we are. In closing, let me just tell you a funny story between what happened to Kim and myself. We was in our bedroom reading. As we was reading and quietly, a mouse popped out and ran across our bedroom. Kim saw it, she jumped up, jumped on the bed, screaming, there's a mouse, there's a mouse. I saw it as well, then I jumped on the bed with her and started screaming, there's a mouse, there's a mouse. She turned around and looked at me. I said, don't be a baby. Be a man. I wanted her to be the man at that time. Don't be a baby. Be a man and sort it out. And she's right. I was behaving like a baby and I wasn't behaving like the person that I was. I was a man. And I needed to behave as a man. Listen to me carefully. Those of you who are believers have a new life in Christ. Behave as people who have a new life in Christ. If something comes on TV and you know it's filthy and it's not right, then you have the authority and the power because you're free from sin to turn that TV off. If you see something on your Facebook that you know is ungodly and unright, you have the authority to remove that picture and to remove that comment from your Facebook. You have the authority. Why? Because of who you are. You are born again. You have a new life. You're dead to sin. You're freed. You're raised to life. You are alive in God. And my final verse is this. Romans. 6.11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Count yourself, reckon yourself, believe yourself to be. Yes, you may fail and may stumble, that is understandable, but reckon and count yourself dead to sin. Why? Because you are a new man, you're a new woman in Christ Jesus. That is why I said in the beginning, bring your mind, your intellect, your reasoning into church this morning. 
Because once we understand, Paul's argument in chapter 6 is very, very close. Very, very deep. But I hope that we just draw something out from it in order for you and me to go out of this church this morning and say, do you know what? I didn't realize as a Christian I'm dead. I didn't realize that I just thought I'm alive and I'm going forward. I didn't realize that I'm dead to sin. Why? Because I've been crucified with Christ by the power of Jesus Christ. He has taken me and has crucified me and I'm dead to sin. And now I can be alive to God. I will turn around and I will say to sin, I do not have to obey you. I am not your slave. In fact, I'm a slave to God. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Let's pray. Almighty God, you know that we've engaged our minds today. And Father, I pray that our minds might just move over to our hearts and our will and that we will be stirred up this morning. Stirred up, oh God, to say afresh that I am died. I used to be a slave to sin. I used to take my pleasure and my delight in sin. I used to be chained hand and foot to sin, but now I've been set free by the power of God. And now I want to be a slave to you, oh God. And I want to follow you and do what you want me to do. That's what I want to do, oh God. And I thank you that it's not by my strength or by my might or by my ability, but it's by your spirit that is at work mightily and powerfully. In me, I'm a new man. Your word says, if there's any in Christ, whoever is in Christ, they are a new, a new creation. The old man is gone. He's dead. He's crucified. Behold, the new man, hallelujah, has come. Oh, may there be a bunch of people here today, Lord. Walking out this church new, filled with your spirit, walking in faith, for Jesus' sake. Amen.